Happy New Year. Joining us on today's podcast of the I-501CU, the podcast for nonprofit board members, is Charlie Murphy. Charlie works for the Bank of Tampa and serves as the Executive Vice President and Sarasota Manatee Market President. Charlie has served on a number of boards in his career, as you will hear, and has led searches at least 13 or 14 times. So in this topic today about recruiting and hiring a new CEO, executive director, and the board's role and responsibility, Charlie is certainly an expert. I hope you enjoy this, and I hope it helps you board chairs out there who may have to work through a transition in the near future. Hey, Michael here, jumping in before you listen to the podcast. Did you know we send out a weekly email providing you information related to the podcast and additional information? If you'd like to subscribe to that, please go to our website, thecorleycompany.com. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the I-501CU, the podcast for nonprofit board members, and a happy new year. This is the first podcast of 2023, and we're kicking it off with a really super guest in Charlie Murphy. Charlie, before I start talking a little bit, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and the board service you've had in addition to where you're working right now? Sure, Michael. Yeah, I, I've been in Sarasota for quite some time, and I'm currently serving as a president, a market president for the Bank of Tampa. Uh, but I've been on a numerous, I've been a lot on a lot of boards, uh, ranging anywhere from the Oslo Theater to the local Cancer Society to chair of the EDC, chair of the United Way, chair of the Chamber of Commerce. Um, so. Uh, I've been involved in a lot of activities, and I think that's probably inherent in bankers. Bankers have a tendency to get involved in the community, and, I'm, and I've enjoyed every bit of that, too, by the way. And I think this podcast today, Michael, is is spot on. So it's a, it's a, it's a great challenge for all board members. Well, Charlie, this is a treat to have you today, certainly with your experience. And, and our, of course, our topic today is transitioning, recruiting, and hiring a new CEO or executive director, and then even the onboarding of that position. And Charlie, in, in our warm-up discussion, you were calculating in your head how many uh, uh, search teams you've been on, how many searches you've done, and how many do you think you've done for nonprofit CEOs? I, I would probably, my guess would be about anywhere from 12 to 15. So, and, and some organizations twice. So, mm -hmm. so well, we've come to the right person then who has the experience. <laughs> now, I, I, we're, we're laughing because I even told him in the warm up part of this that I remember being board chair thinking, oh my gosh, not, not on my watch. Yeah. Please wait till the next chair comes because yeah. transitioning as CEO takes quite a bit of time. It's a lot of work. It, it it really does. But you know, when, when you go through the process of finding a new CEO and you feel like you've really got the right one, it's so rewarding and it makes the job so much easier for the board members in that transitioning process. And and how do you get to that process, Charlie? Let's jump right in. So you, you've got a CEO who is exiting or has exited. Mm -hmm. You're a board member. How, how do you look at, how do you approach the uh, ident recruiting and identification of a new CEO? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I was thinking about that question, uh, Michael, and I, I made um, I made a couple of notes. And one is, I said, use it as an opportunity to upgrade the position that that you currently have. And and the main thing you have to do start start with is you have to look at this as a long term strategy when you're looking at hiring a new CEO uh, for for your board. So don't don't think of it as the current role that they're in. Uh, have the board gather together in a strategy session and talk about have we we have we looked at where we want to be or where are we going and is this person that we've had before would they have really fulfilled that role so use this as an opportunity and i said the other thing too is 
be very positive, be very optimistic about the changes. Because, you know, as you mentioned, Michael, when you lose a CEO and you're an outside board member, you really say, oh, no, how much work is this going to be? But if you look at it from an optimistic standpoint, it can be a tremendous boost. And, and as you know, there's a number of uh, not-for-profits in the area that have really upgraded when they've changed their CEO. So, so and when, when you've been the board chair and a CEO exits, how do you rally the board? What are some steps that you take? What would be some advice you'd give to somebody who's sitting in that chair seat right now and they need to start the process? Well, I think there's a number of things you can do. Number one, like I said, you, you really, you get them together and say, okay, let, let's talk about, let's be, let's be long-term in our thought processes. Where do we want to go? Do uh, we need to take a look at the current job description? Um, are we going to hire an outside firm? Are we going to do it inside? So there's a number of issues that you really have to work through as a board, because one of the things you have to remember, it's the ultimate responsibility of that board to make that decision. And you can do you can hire all the outside consultants that you want to. Uh, but again, it all boils down to that board making that final decision. And and when you get down to that point, if you're not ecstatic about that choice, don't make it. So if, if it's not an absolute yes, then it's a no, as, as we've heard people say. Yeah. <laughs> when, when or they say no with a they preface that a little bit. So right. let me ask you this. When do you recommend a board engage a search firm versus doing the search on their own? Well, I think it really, a lot of it depends upon, um, A, the size of the organization. Now, I will also tell you that very small organizations can use a search firm too. But generally, if you have a larger organization and, and you want to, let's just say in your strategic thinking, you want to expand your not-for-profit outside your marketplace and, and you want to go, let's say, regional with that person, um, you might want to consider hiring a search firm because a lot of times people that are in that role that you may want to talk to, they won't respond to your phone call. They won't respond to an ad in the paper, uh, and they want it to, to be really confidential in the discussion. The other thing about a search firm is a search firm can be a wealth of information for you. For example, compensation. Your search firm generally will have information about compensation. Now, that goes take a step back, that goes into when you're hiring a search firm, look for someone who's got backgrounds in the type of organizations. And I, let me use a couple examples. Uh, I've been through a couple searches for Economic Development Corporation. Uh, that, that search firm was different when I've been through also a couple search firms, searches for the head of the Selby Gardens. So that that particular search firm had a different um, specialty that you, they deal in. So therefore, for lack of a better term, their Rolodex of, of candidates is much different than somebody who, who works on searches for an economic, economic development court. The other thing, too, is make sure, make sure you're, you uh, uh, name a search committee. That's very, very important. And, and when I say that, um, and I mentioned earlier, Michael, I've been on a number of searches. You don't have to have members of that search committee that are comprised simply board members. Sometimes reach outside, find maybe someone who's one of your constituents, uh, a large funder, and th that can be a conflict of interest too, by the way. You have to be very careful with that. But but look around at somebody that you think has a pretty good business sense or an idea or somebody that's been involved in searches before. Um, because a lot of time, 
not-for-profits will not have anybody on their board who has been through this process before, and it scares them to death, and they'll start thinking, oh, my gosh, what's the cost going to be, and and all those things, and, and you have to keep all that in mind, but in the end, they're going to bring you the greater number of candidates. Now, there are always exceptions to that, too, and you talk about people that are internal candidates. The other thing, too, about internal candidates is if you've got someone that is the clear name successor and your CEO left as a result of retirement, or let's just say poor health, then you've got a natural internal candidate to fill that role. But also what search firms do, search firms can be that that third party that looks at internal candidates and evaluates them just as they would evaluate any other candidate. Because when you're sitting around as a board and you're talking about, well, uh, Mr. So-and-so, uh, we think he's a great candidate, or Mrs. So-and-so who works in this department is a great candidate, which you have to keep in mind, if you establish the, the criteria that you want for this candidate, you want to make sure that you've got this third party who's looking at them from that perspective rather than with rose-colored glasses saying, oh, shit, they've been terrific, loyal employees. We think they ought to take that role. Now, you haven't said anything about whether or not they can manage it or not. Uh, so you have to be careful about that. And I think that's why the real distinct advantage of the search firm. Now, that being said, too, um, you have to say to your 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 staff – all right, you need to gather them together and say, we have a search going on. And let me just make everyone aware that anyone that feels like they're a candidate will be interviewed for this job. So, and, and when it comes down to it, if you don't choose that, any one of those candidates, the board sometimes, or actually the, the search committee looks at those resumes or looks at that resume to make sure that they haven't, let's just say, given them that, little extra look, which I think is a value sometimes for loyalty. But in the long term, that that person you think is an internal candidate may or may not stay. And you have to keep that in mind. <laughs> and you don't want you don't want to start promising that candidate they're going to have a job because you're hiring someone who's going to make the hiring and firing decisions. So you can't start committing to them because that really railroads what they want to do and why you hired that person. So Oh, that was, you were talking about the nuances of, of internal candidates, external candidates. That was really good. That was very, very helpful on how to avoid getting into to trouble. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me go back and ask a question uh, early when you were responding. Search committee size, is there a magic number? What, what do you like to see in a search committee, the number of folks on a search committee? Yeah, there is sort of an optimum size. I would say anywhere from the six to seven type of number, something like that. And you're going to have a chair of that search committee. It can be a board chair. It doesn't have to be. Um, Like I said, maybe you want to have a couple outsiders on that committee, but you want to make sure that your board committee have some sort of experience in doing this process. And, and, uh, and you'll, you know, we, we live in a, a marvelous community and we have, a, we have a lot of really experienced executives that are on these not-for-profit boards. So you might get, you might be lucky and have someone on your board to do that. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, six, six to eight, um, sometimes you might need more uh, depending upon the size. I wouldn't let it get too unwieldy because you'll never really have a consensus. Uh, and when it comes down to some of the final interviews, 
you're you're you gotta you gotta come to an, an agreement. Uh, it might not be a hundred percent, but you want to have make sure that the person you're choosing and you're recommending to the board is a hundred. The whole committee is a hundred percent that they're the person. So, and, and when you when the search committee starts, what's its obligation to the board or its frequency of reporting into the board? How do you ensure that the search committee and the board are, are uh, aligned, or is it they they don't interact until down the road? Good question. Um, one of the things you do with your search firm, let's say, <clears throat> is uh, your board or search committee will want frequent communication with your search firm. And so along that line, your search committee needs to report to the board what's going on. And, you know, really the board's going to kind of drive that. You don't want to be daily, but you want to have maybe a weekly update or something like that. And 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 you have to be careful. Um, I don't always recommend that being in writing or emails. Um, I'd much rather have someone from the search committee attend maybe a, a gathering of the board and they report in writing to not in writing, but just verbally to them. So you really don't have any kind of things that are in, in writing that may come back to haunt you later. Um, uh, but, but, you know, first of all, when, when the search firm starts, they will tell you how long it will take them to go through the initial uh, um, group of candidates. They'll say, they'll, in fact, they should give you a complete timeline um, because you're going to pay them. So they're going to say, when do you, when do you want to fulfill the search? And it may or may not coincide with what their timeline is. But in all fairness, if they're professionals, they'll tell you that's going to take me uh, three weeks to, 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 to send out information. I'm going to look at my uh, list of, of candidates here. And let's just say in 30 days, I can report back to you about where I stand. Well, then the expectation should be to the board. Here's the timeline that we have from a search committee. Now, this speaks to having a search committee. Sometimes you may or may not need a search committee. Sometimes if you're in a, an organization where you know, you have candidates or you have people on the board that are familiar with the marketplace. Um, you may be able to say, listen, uh, we're, we're not going to uh, spend the money on the search committee, or we may have someone that we hire as a consultant to, to, to do nothing, to do nothing more than simply um, screen the candidate re uh, resumes. Okay. So that's something that in my opinion, it's the most time consuming. So as a, as a search committee, you do not want to be involved in the process of screening uh, resumes, except if you think that somebody has a large funder, a, a large benefactor has come to you and says, oh my gosh, I got the best candidate and they sent you the resume and they've not heard from you. Well, that means you better you better interview that person, all right? Or you better make sure that she's screened in the list of people that your search firm uh, talks to. So there's always those exceptions. Well, and I love that. That's the reality of going yeah. through this process, right? There's a textbook. Yes, hire a search firm and do it textbook-wise. But, mm -hmm. hey, let's face it. Th these are yeah. human beings. We've all got stakeholders, big mm -hmm. donors. And I, I would suspect there probably has not been a – a search you've been on that you haven't been responsible for that somebody hasn't said, Hey, I know somebody you ought to oh. look at. And you're like, <laughs> Oh brother. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. And, yeah. and of course they're always the best.
<laughs> of course, yeah. yes, that's right. Oh sure. my gosh, I got the best candidate. Uh, we just love her so much. We're on another board, and and they're just she does just a, they do such a great job. And oh yeah, oh, and to, then you find out mm, no. <laughs> and that's why you bring in a third party, whether it's a search firm or somebody sure, to review, sure, just to sure. give you the you know, the, the the political wherewithal to say, hey, we we did our due diligence, we mm -hmm. we honored your request, but this person is not the right candidate for whatever reason. And, and I'll also tell you that when you get to the end and your search firm has submitted to you the finalists, let's say they're three candidates or they're five candidates, and you get down to the point where you're going to interview them in person and you schedule to bring them in. Now, what happens if you don't like any of them? Mm. Okay, so you tell the search firm this. We really didn't think any of them, now they're good candidates, but when we looked at what we described as our, our, our candidates, uh, their, their, their job qualifications and what we wanted in a candidate, none of them really fit it. So what do you do then? Well, you tell, like I said, you tell the search firm and you ask them to go back out and look at other people. There's a great example of, of one here in town that I won't mention the name. We went through an extensive search. I mean, it was three, four months, and we interviewed the people, and all of us sort of looked around, and we said, we have seen anybody. So she, this person, said, I got one candidate, but she's in, let's just say, up north, and, and I don't think she'll ever move down here, um, but I'll talk to her. Well, that candidate today just absolutely loves living in Sarasota. And, and if I mentioned her name, you'd know, and she's just doing a kick-butt kick job in, her, in, in the position she's in right now. So it, it's, it, it kind of works that way. You, you have to be flexible, which leads you to something else that I didn't mention is when you find yourself needing a new CEO and they've left either you've either you've left you've released them uh, fired them whatever you mean you have to make a decision do you want to have an interim CEO uh, and as you know with the EDC we had that situation and <laughs> interesting uh, Dave walks into my office and I said hey Dave you know are you interested in doing the interim CEO for the EDC uh, yeah Charlie tell me a little bit about it I said, so I explained it to him. I said, by the way, Dave, that's only going to be a 90-day job. 18 months later, he said, Charlie, I think it's time for me to <laughs> be out of this. Well, the COVID and the pandemic yes. kind of derailed that. But, but it does say that an interim CEO, again, rather than putting in a staff person, okay, if you put in a staff person, that person automatically thinks that they've gained experience in that two to three month time as interim to take the job. Now that could happen, but the best way to make that again, the search firms allow the search firm to manage the process a little bit for you is to bring in an interim CEO. Um, and really what you're talking about is interim CEO really comes in and settles things down a little bit. You know, there, there's someone that, you know, they really don't have a dog in the hunt other than the fact that they want to take, make sure things continue and that and the organization continues on the way it's going and, you know and they have little chats with all the staff and stuff like that so interim ceos in my opinion can be extremely valuable particularly in a bigger organization so i want to go back to what you mentioned uh with with the example of the the ceo that was brought in after you said 
Uh, mm-hmm. Y'all didn't care for, didn't select any of the existing candidates. That had to take huge discipline on your part because you want to fill the role. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine those discussions. People go, gosh, we want to fill. Well, we can, maybe we can sacrifice here. We can sacrifice there. But you didn't, and going back to what you said in some of your opening comments, your primary responsibility as a board is hiring that CEO. Mm-hmm. And so you exercise great discipline in that regard. Yeah. And in this case, it paid off in spades. And and, and, I'll, and on the other side of that coin, another organization um, that I was involved in, in a search firm, a search uh, uh, committee with, we actually uh, had three final candidates, uh, which we we... It, we, we came to the decision at the end that the organization was in a position to where it needed to be cleaned up for a better term. Okay. It needed to be a lot of work needed to be done. And we really didn't feel like we were um, we didn't feel like we were dressed up and dressed up enough to really get a first class CEO. So we brought on an interim. And we, we, we define this person as someone who it was an interim role, for lack of a better term. Now, we didn't tell him it was in a role, but it became an interim role. We were knowing that this person would not be there more than two to three years. And all they were trying to do was sort of fix it up, um, make babysit it to make sure that some of them. And this was involving some really negative press that they'd had. So it created really a difficult time for us to attract a really first-class person from out of the area because all they do is look at the newspaper ad, uh, articles and it really prevent them. So that was a, another example of maybe the person we, we hired, we, we knew wasn't a long-term player. So, But it was strategic in nature. You did it intentionally it for what was the best for the organization at mm-hmm. that time. And you all had thought through that, that process. Right. I think that's really important. Again, you didn't settle. You didn't just go out and hire the first person you could. You, mm-hmm. you exercised your obligation that we have got to get the right person in the right role at the right time of the organization's mm-hmm. uh, maturity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and when you're looking at making a decision, you may remember at the EDC, we also brought in a long, several panels of, of constituents um, because again, that's kind of public-private partnership, uh, and that was an example where it wasn't just the search committee; um, it was also people from the outside uh, who were involved in interviewing these people. And we had all-day meetings and stuff like that. And so we all kind of gathered the information from our panel. I happened to have headed up a panel of people, and and we came to an agreement on who we ought to invite back. So. And, and it's a lot of work to to entertain, to do the interview process when you bring candidates in, even locally. I mean, if you've got three, and, and I hear the norm is usually three, you bring in three. And yeah. so you've got to coordinate, you've got to schedule. Charlie, how do you preserve the confidentiality if the candidates are coming in? Now, now not EDC, because I understand public, yeah. private, but say it's a, a, a private nonprofit. Mm-hmm. How do you ensure the confidentiality when you got multiple people on search committee, on the board? Well, I, you know, we just completed the search for the Lake of Grains Business Alliance, and 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 we hired Brittany, and 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 there were people from other organizations on there. So you have to provide them complete confidence that their name will not be let out, and and clearly, uh, even when you bring them in individually to interview them, you, you can't bring the candidates back to back. You know what I mean? Because they'll see each other. 
So you, you've got to figure out how do you structure when they come in and when they don't come in so you don't they don't see each other. And so, I mean, you, you just have to make the decision and you've got to tell your board, listen, you cannot say one word to the point where sometimes maybe you don't even want to tell the board um, who these candidates are. You want to say, we're going to bring you the best candidate. And, and we feel like you've, you've put your faith in us. We're going to bring you the best candidate and, and hope that you will accept that, that individual to hire. So the confidentiality works in any situation, Michael, because whether they're from out of town, in town, whatever, if they're any good, now take this back, most people that are really looking for a job, most people that you want are not necessarily looking for a job. All right. Uh, and, and and that's not to say there's not some people that have, you know, we live in a unique community that moved down here and they, they're great candidates. OK, that's different. But you just don't put it in the paper anymore. I mean, that's not where you find the really good candidates. You, you look out there and, you know, again, use Brittany as an example. What was Brittany doing? She was sitting over there with Heather. Right. And so that was a perfect and, and we didn't we didn't ask her. That was a, that was some she some of somebody else told us about that. So we didn't we didn't try and look like we're trying to uh, pluck candidates from our sure. you know, friends. So but that happens. So. Yeah. No, I, I understand. So let me, so you, you bring the you've identified the, the candidate, the new CEO, executive director. Now, what's the board's responsibility in onboarding slash orienting them? Good, good question and very, very important question. And and one of the things that when we look at this, we look at, we decide, okay, uh, what's the level of community involvement that this person needs to have? And, and who do you want them to meet? And you have to remember the people that are on your board probably are the best ones to provide that support in the interaction with the community or the, the, uh, communications with constituents or big funders or basically arranging for them to meet a, a big foundation chair or CEO or whatever it may be. So it's, it is clearly their responsibility. And, and you really, again, you go back into your planning processes as a board. So it's, so it's coming and they're starting. We need to talk about an onboarding process uh, and we need to figure out who do they really need to meet and so, therefore, someone's going to have to be the, like a better term, the assistant who manages that process a little bit. And we can either submit names that they need to meet so-and-so. Some people, they can do it two at a time. Some people, they can do it as a group. Sometimes you can have cocktail parties. Uh, sometimes you can have gatherings like that to where they're there. Not, they're not going to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. But you can take those special group of people that you need one-on-ones. You can do those one-on-ones, but you can take the other group and put them in there to where you could do so or somewhat of a cocktail party or a group session. So, but it's, it is that board because again, they're they're involved in the in, in that organization. They should know who are the important people that they need. So, and you create a, an orientation committee, for lack of a better term, is it the, is it usually fall on the board chair to orient the the new CEO. I don't know that you need to have a formal committee. I really think that, um, you know, hopefully, you're, I mean, if, if your board is 25 people and it's unwieldy, that's one thing, but you probably have an executive committee if it's that big, but you really, you, you go through that discussion with them. I mean, you know, we're excited. We've got so-and-so coming down and, and we just need to 
to all, if you want, would you please submit some names of people you think that they need to meet in the community? And then someone can assemble that list. And maybe it's the board chair, maybe it's somebody else, but it, or somebody at search committee chair, whatever it may be. And you assemble that list and say, okay, here's here. And everybody agrees to this. Is the, these are the people you need to see. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be the board chair. It often means that the board chair focus on the really critical ones, that top 10%. And not that the others are not important either, but but you know who your major funders are. You know who your major constituents are and benefactors and who you really need to introduce them to um, and let them focus on those introductions. And I assume I, I was asking that question from the perspective of it's an outside person coming in. What if it's somebody internal in the organization? They've met the criteria. They've been promoted to the executive director. Mm-hmm. Do you orient them differently? Um, it depends upon the individual. If that person has been in a visible role in the organization, maybe not necessarily because that person ought to know who they need to go see anyway. Okay. Now, maybe she, when she, first time she reports to the board before she starts, you know, she can talk a little bit about that, what her plans are, and she ought to have some plans herself. Here's what I need to do. I need to make myself known in this community. And again, hey, maybe it's getting a maybe it's getting a uh, somebody like a Knight Tracy Knight to do PR for you uh, to make sure the promotion is set up. Uh, uh, and 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 maybe she's the one that develops a list of people that are necessary for this person to meet. Now, if it's an internal one who is not necessarily a an outside individual, and and that can be that can be. Um, then you just have to go back and you figure out truly who have they not met that, that sh- they should go out and see. So. so it is the board's res- responsibility to orient the new CEO executive director, and that puts them on a trajectory for success because the mm-hmm. board wants this new person to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, you can go back to make this fun. I mean, really opportunistic. I mean, if you think about it, uh, in meeting somebody new, you have an opportunity for them to explain what their, what their plans are, you know, what, what's their vision, you know, leaders need to have visions and that's what distinguishes really good leaders from mediocre leaders. And so they want to hear about the visions, quite frankly, they don't want to hear, they don't want to hear from an interim. Uh, they want to hear from the person who's got that, what's their vision? Where do they want to take this organization? And and they better come away from that meeting where these people are on the edge of their seat, looking at them every second and, and look, listening for every word, because if they're not, you know, so. Well, the fact that you're saying a search should be viewed as fun, you may be getting a lot of phone calls after this podcast because people go, well, gosh, I've, I've got a search coming up. We'll have Charlie come. He, he loves it. He, let's, let's come get him. Let me change the conversation a little bit. I want to touch on compensation. Yeah. So when you're hiring a new CEO executive director, how do you approach compensation? How do you get help developing an appropriate package for this individual? Well, there's a number of ways you can accomplish that. Um, let me start with out of search firm. Um, first of all, most organizations are involved in associations that uh, advocate for the, the cause, okay? And, and whether that be a state chamber or a national chamber, and almost all of them have a bulletin board of opportunities, okay? 
or they do surveys of compensation because a lot of these organizations, if they're big um, or if they're large part of large organization, uh, you know, uh, people in those groups kind of move around, you know, if, if they're worthwhile, um, you know, use an example of the chamber or, or something else. And, you know, the chamber individual stays at a certain role for a certain period of time, and then they move to a bigger one. Um, unless they're in Sarasota, they want to stay here the whole time. But that that that's somebody that's not going to use a search firm. Now, I'll go back to search firm. Search firm and another one of the benefits. Search firms have all that data. They keep track of it. Because when you talk and you engage a search firm, you're going to talk. They're going to want to tell you. They're going to want to know for you how much you're willing to pay them. How much are you going to pay them? And our response back is, how much do we need to pay them? And, you know, that may be a real eye opener to your board. You know, if you're paying them 100 grand and the minimum that we need to pay is 150, they'll say, oh, how do we? So that's really sometimes a very eye opening situation. And also the search firm should have a pretty good grasp of what are the benefits. Is it a you know, a simple IRA, do the 401k, how do you contribute? Is it a bonus program? What type of bonus program? I mean, do you provide them a car? So they should have really all that information available and they can tell you. And they'll also help you negotiate that salary, by the way. So when you make the decision, you really want to go back to your search firm person and they make the offer to the candidate. Okay. And that way, that way, they're the ones that that have talked to them. They're the ones that can help you in negotiating it, okay? Now, you would say, well, isn't that kind of contrary? No, not really, because they're the ones that have really talked them into doing this. So they're the ones that you really sh you should send back uh, to make, make that offer. Because they can tell you, no, nah, that's not enough money. Whereas a candidate, they may, may be a little sheepish about saying, well, you're not even in the ballpark. And, and that's sometimes an eye-opening thing. And that may also be eye-opening to the point where your board says, you know, I have to tell you what, we're not paying this, our, this job. We don't have this job pegged properly from a compensation standpoint. So, Very good. Very good information. Another reason to use a search firm, which was interesting, because uh, we all try mm -hmm. to save money by not using a search firm. But it sounds like what you're saying, you got to think long-term, you got to be strategic and the value yeah. add they provide could be really meaningful. And if you bring in the CEO, they're going to be there five, 10 years. It, and, and really the cost of a search firm, uh, people, if they haven't used them before, um, I'll, I'll tell you, they'll be 15 to 20 to 30% of the first year's compensation. And uh, sometimes they'll want to have a certain amount up front and they'll want it in staggered, you know, payment stages as they go through. Uh, but your search firm, don't forget, you cannot you cannot discount the importance of background checks. And that's another thing your search firm will do for you too. Because uh, I I know there's instances where uh, a group ran through a complete search. They made a decision on a person, and this person was from out of town let's just say North Carolina, South Carolina. And so the head of the, the search committee said, okay, each of you have a job. I want each of you to call your counterpart in Timbuktu, and I want you to ask them about this person. And they got back some of the most scathing negative comments 
that you would have never found if they had not talked to their people. Because sometimes these things, they keep them quiet, you know? Yes. And so that's why a search firm will do background checks. You, you don't want anybody that's going to embarrass you. And, and those things happen if you don't, if you don't do your due diligence and you have to look at it objectively and you have to let this third party because uh, you, you may love them to death. Or here's another thing too. You may have transferred. I may be bankrupt. may have been in, let's say Daytona beach or in South Carolina. I come down here and that candidate from the, from the chamber up there applied for the job. And I said, that person's terrific. Well, I didn't know a year ago they got picked up on the street for yeah, something terrible, you know? Sure. And and so you have to make sure that becomes a third-party job for them to do that search for you. Too. Yeah, transfer that liability and that risk and, and avoid this PR risk is what you're talking about, Charlie. Mm -hmm. That's spot on. Let me ask yep. you one last question. Are there things you should avoid? If you're a board member and you're starting the process, any tips on things you should avoid doing? Uh yeah. Um, when when you're the, the biggest thing that that I would tell you is um, avoid taking the number two person immediately as a person to fill a job because you've got to have somebody in that role. OK. Um, and, and, and thinking thinking that your current CEO was the greatest thing since sliced bread and you've got to have somebody exactly like them in that role. Um, making sure that, oh my gosh, this person doesn't act like Susie or doesn't act like Jack or whatever. That's not, that's not the objective. The objective is find somebody better and upgrade. Remember I mentioned opportunity to upgrade every role, every yes. role, you know, in my career in banking, I've always taken the position. Somebody resigns from a role. Nobody's irreplaceable. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to upgrade that role. And uh, so you, you don't do that or depending upon your staff to find someone. And, you know, you, you can't do that. And I'll, I'll tell you one other no-no also. Um, it's okay for this candidate to meet the staff, but don't let the staff make the decision. You know, I'm, people say, oh, we, we, we got to have them we got to have them making help being a part of the decision. No, you don't. No, you don't. You, you as a board are responsible. You've got that fiduciary responsibility. Now you want them to meet the staff because you're going to quickly find out, are they engaging or are they charismatic? And, and just because some staff member says, I don't like them, doesn't mean you're not going to hire them. <laughs> Very so you, good. You yeah. Remember, yeah, that may be somebody that wanted that job. <laughs> Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, the or organizational dynamics are interesting, and you, you've learned how to navigate those very well, it sounds like. And those are great <laughs> tips, tips to avoid. And you, you hit four very good ones there. Charlie, yeah. I, I tell you what, I can't thank you enough. Well, be before we part, any any last um, uh, words of wisdom to somebody who may be a board chair right now who's facing the, the, the challenge of replacing their executive director? Anything you haven't shared that you'd like to share with him or her? No, I, I think for them to simply remember that there are a lot of voices out there that can provide some assistance, some directions, whatever it may be, and don't be afraid to to ask. Don't be afraid to to talk to expert Michael like yourself. I mean, you're you're a wealth of knowledge 
with these podcasts, you're providing input for them. So say, so, hey, Michael, I, how do you think I ought to do this? And so you become really an advisor or have them ask advisor. Don't don't try and do this all on your own, um, because, as you know, some board like chairs like to do everything themselves because they're the ones that have the thumb on it so uh yeah I, I, that's the that's the main thing and if you're gonna if you're gonna uh assign this responsibility to search committee let them do their job don't second guess everything they do you know if you don't like the job they're doing fire them and get a new search committee but you know really if you picked them then it's your problem that they're not doing what they're doing, supposed to be doing. So, yeah, I, it, again, it can be extremely remote. Let me tell you another thing about timing, just, just to make this point. This timing can be a month. It can be a year. Uh, it really depends upon what's going on in the organization at the time. And if you have the luxury to extend this out to make sure you got the right person, do it. Don't make a decision because you think you need somebody's butt in that seat. You don't necessarily need them because that's a terrible decision because it, if you have to end up firing these people, it's going to cost you money. It's going to be your reputation. So don't, don't pick somebody just to fill the seat. So be very, yeah, very good. And a great way to end on that. So Charlie Murphy, really, really appreciate the man who's been involved in <laughs> a dozen or more searches and who thinks they're a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom. I am confident that the listeners are better because of it. And we'll, we'll look at the search in a, in a new way. So Charlie, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Well, now many of the audience's favorite part of the show, recapping with Reed, that was a heck of a conversation with Charlie Murphy. Charlie has got just a wealth of experience. What, what I really enjoyed is he gave you some, some look under the, under the covers of what it's really like to recruit hire, orient, and bring on a new executive director or CEO for a nonprofit. So board, read, excuse me, read some observations that you have about what Charlie shared with us. Yeah, so if, if you have the luxury to extend the amount of time that it would take to find a CEO, do it. Don't name someone CEO, executive director, just because you want somebody in that seat. This is a long-term play. And you don't want to have the wrong person in the seat. It'll cost more money to find somebody else than it will to just wait and find the right person. Great advice, hard to execute. And I can tell you, Reed, I've been on a number of boards and that's the first, actually I've been through a couple CEO transitions and it's how quickly can we get somebody in here? And so you really have to exercise discipline. And like Charlie said, it's a fiduciary responsibility of the board to hire that person and do it right and think long-term and strategically. All right, what's your next point, Reed? The next point is that you can make this process fun. I thought that was interesting because the first thing that you said was, oh, I don't I don't want to be involved in this. But he he brought the perspective that, you know, it can be fun and you're looking to upgrade the position. You know, you this is a very direct way that you can impact the organization's future by hiring an upgraded CEO and you can make it a fun process. You're right. And, and he's been rewarded many times. Looking back, he shared with us after the podcast on, on CEOs, he's been part of hiring and it is rewarding when they stay five, six, seven, 10 years and impact the organization and the community. And Reed, what about number three? What was your third key point? If you have the ability, utilize a search firm. They can provide a ton of information for you. Um, compensation, they can be the messenger between the search committee and the candidates. 
Um, they can help you when it comes to confidentiality, background checks. So if you have the ability to, if you have the funds to utilize the search firm. Well, I think that's really good. And you try to find the funds to do it. it, it and he really made a case for using a, a search firm. And, and as I shared in the podcast, oftentimes we try to save money and not do it. But boy, there's just a, it takes time and it takes intentionality and, you know, they're experts in it. And so you, you might find that it's well worth whatever the cost is. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, three key points that Reed observed. And I couldn't agree more on uh, in, in our issue, a post issue, if you will, with recapping with Reed. So Reed, thank you. And I want to thank all the listeners and wish everybody a wonderful 2023. And we will listen to you or you'll listen to us next week, hopefully. Thanks. Hey, it's the start of a new year, a great time to be thinking about strategy and what you want to accomplish in 2023. And you don't have to do it all at the very beginning of the year. But if you need help with strategic discussions with your board, whether it's a board retreat or just tackling a few strategic planning items, or you need a strategy refresh, we'd welcome the opportunity to discuss that with you and see if we can help. Please reach out to us at michael at thecorleycompany.com or you can go to the website, thecorleycompany.com and type in your information.